Our text this morning is one phrase taken from Luke chapter 2, verse 25. So if you would turn there, I'm going to begin by reading the entire verse. And we will focus in on one phrase in particular. Luke 2, verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. You will notice from this verse that Simeon was a man devoted to God. He was filled with the Spirit of God. And yet of all the things that could be said of this godly man, we're told but one thing about his life, about how he lived his life. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. We're not told about his family background or his occupation or about some of the righteous and devout things that he did. But we're told about something he waited for. We're told about something that he desired to see. We may draw from this short text that it is good to wait patiently for what God has promised. And it's good to wait patiently for what God has promised. We may say it is good to wait patiently because Simeon, a righteous man waited. And that is all that we're told about his, his life leading up to this moment where he will encounter the Lord Jesus. We don't know how long he waited. Perhaps years. But as he went about his life doing whatever it was he did, he was waiting. He was anticipating the fulfillment of his, his hope. So it is good to wait patiently as long as it takes and to do so not just for any old thing but for what God has promised. For what God has promised. We see this uh, for two reasons. First, Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. In verse, the very next verse, verse 26. That's a remarkable promise. And Simeon laid hold of that. He would see the promised Messiah of the Lord. This is what he was waiting for. The second reason that we can see this is in our verse, verse 25. And that is that his chief desire was to see the consolation of Israel. That is what he longed for. That is what he was waiting for. 
The word translated consolation is the Greek word parakaleo, which means basically help or aid or encouragement. It's most often translated comfort or encouragement. And this comfort that Simeon longed to see for Israel was promised long ago by the prophets. The phrase consolation or comfort of Israel is drawn from Isaiah chapter 40. We looked at that text last week. There the Lord announced comfort, comfort to his people Israel. There was good news for Israel that the Lord himself was coming to save them. Isaiah speaks again of comfort in Isaiah 57. 57 and verse 18, where God again promises to comfort rebellious Israel. A people that has abandoned their God, they've gone after false gods, and they've dug an awfully deep pit for themselves with their sin. God promised comfort would come. So we see that Simeon was waiting for God to keep his promise. To restore what was lost and broken and destroyed by the sin of Israel. He was waiting for the one who would fulfill all of those promises of God. And praise God, his waiting was vindicated. Simeon saw what he was waiting for. Let's read in Luke's Gospel, verses 26 to 30 of Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, beginning in verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. So he has now seen that for which he hoped for. For generations, the saints, the people of God, had longed to see the dawning of this one that the prophet Malachi called the Son of Righteousness. The one that Isaiah said was Emmanuel, God with us. And they had to wait. It was not yet. But in the fullness of time, all the hopes of the people of God were proven true. On that day when Simeon saw with his own eyes that God kept his promise. Simeon praised God. He says, I can go in peace now. For my eyes have seen your salvation. 
Verse 30. Where did he see the Lord's salvation? He was an old man. He didn't see Jesus' miracle working. He didn't get to witness Jesus' death on a cross for the sin of his people or his glorious resurrection. He did not live to see Christ reign on the throne of David. But he held the one who is salvation in his arms. And he believed by the power of the Holy Spirit that this little boy was revelation to the Gentiles and glory to Israel. Hope for the whole world. It was enough for him. Because he trusted in his Lord. He believed the word of God. And he waited. And he got to see what the Lord had promised. And we too, like Simeon, don't get to see the whole picture. Not now. Yet the Lord gives us enough to trust him. He's given us the testimony of His Word, the Bible. That salvation is in Jesus Christ. And in the Gospel, you and I have more than enough to believe and to wait with great hope for what God promises He will yet do. As we wait for Christ to come again. And yet, brothers and sisters, I I am concerned as we come to this season of Christmas, as we think of these things and the the Lord coming and bringing salvation, um, that we would be a people who stand guard over our souls. Lest we think lightly of so great a salvation. It can be very easy to become inundated with all this Christmas stuff and mangers and lights. To take it for granted. Well, of course God should come and save me, you know. It's a marvelous thing. We realize how many generations waited and waited and how the whole world None of us have deserved this gift of God. That He would come to save us. Songs are going to be sung for endless ages to proclaim the wonder of what He has done. That the King of Heaven would humble Himself as a child. And that the reason He would come and He would do that, He would live His life and be mocked and beaten and killed rise again all to save his enemies to save those people who said we don't want anything to do with God no wonder Simeon waited with such patience and longed for that day he recognized how much people needed 
their God. Simeon, as he waited for the consolation of Israel, and and Anna the prophetess in that same chapter, she was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. They were seeking the salvation of the Lord. They weren't looking anywhere else to one, one thing, to the Lord and His coming and His promises. And their faith was not disappointed. They saw the Lord's Christ. And so their sincere and undivided faith stands in God's Word as an example to us. It's an opportunity for you and I to examine ourselves and and really ask the question, what am I waiting for? What am I living for and seeking after in the coming year and beyond? Maybe you wish for a, a better financial situation you wish to, to get your life figured out, what you're going to, to do when you graduate high school. Maybe you want more time with the grandkids, healing from sickness, common sense plan to make common sense common again in our nation. Anyone? Amen. I'm sure we could go on with things we desire to see. Such things are good enough things. To, to look for. I haven't mentioned anything bad. But they are not the one thing that matters most, the one thing that will give us a living, eternal hope. They are not the thrice holy Redeemer that every tongue will praise and before whom every knee will bow. And I confess that I'll be the first one to say I'm too often focused on things around me, things to be easier, things to be more comfortable for myself and, to my, and my family. Thinking about um, how, how uh, other people think of me and too little focused on Christ. But true and living faith does not rest in where the world is headed or how good we look to others or any of the many other things that we value, we think are important. Faith delights in nothing other than God Himself. Finds in Christ that all-satisfying treasure. I don't need anything else. Faith is willing to wait for Him because the Lord and His promises are worth clinging to no matter how bad things get. Our Lord put it this way. He had a way of cutting through all of the religiosity of of the people of his day. He put it very plainly. 
He said, he who seeks to save his own life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? That's Mark chapter 8. In heaven's economy, to lose your life by surrendering to Christ as your master. I live for him now. I do what he says. That is to gain life. But to seek your life, treasuring me, myself, and I more than Christ, that is to lose your very soul. To choose the foolish path, the path to destruction. Simeon's treasure was Christ, the comfort of Israel. This is evident in his words. Think of how filled with affection and praise to God he was when he saw the child that was promised. He praised God. It was also evident in his life. For he, he's described as a righteous and devout man. In Luke 2.25. These are words that describe his dedication to Yahweh. The true and living God. That was the one he was putting his faith in. It wasn't merely a show of nice words, but his life didn't match up. Oh, in all the things that he did, he did them with this in mind, that my Lord is coming and I'm going to wait for him because I love him and I want to see him. So both his speech and his conduct show um, his faith. They show his patient longing for the fulfillment of God's promises. They reveal where his heart was and showed his faith was a true and living faith. What about you and I then? What do our thoughts and desires and actions say about our heart's desire? Our Lord said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 21. Are you drawn to think of Christ often? Are you drawn beyond thoughts of God to cherish Christ as your chief joy? Out of all the things you, that get you happy and excited, is it Christ? Who's your greatest joy and comfort? How about this? Do you often feel compelled to praise Christ both when you're alone with Him and when you talk of, with others? Christ ever come up in conversations with others or do you keep quiet? I don't want to offend someone. I'm not saying you need to go both barrels down somebody's throat with the gospel if they don't want to hear it, but 
we should be able to praise Jesus' name and not be ashamed of it. How about this? Do your actions reflect love for Christ? That you love with the same love that was shown to you. That you're so filled with delight in Christ that you look for opportunities to bless others. Maybe that is to show love to a family member. Maybe that is to care for a stranger in some way. I ask these questions in love because uh, sin may so easily deceive us. It's easy enough to speak words of great devotion, especially in the setting of, of a church and a gathering of people who profess to know Christ. And even to do deeds that are commended by others as good. You know, others will look and say, that was a good thing. That they're a good person. And yet, to not have a heart that seeks God. To not wait for God. Longing for Him. But the Lord isn't satisfied with half of us. A little. He desires the whole person. For so the Apostle wrote in Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, he said, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The coming of Christ in Jesus there is salvation. There's the grace of God incarnate. Why did Christ come? Look at Titus 2, verse 12. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Put simply, if Christ is your Savior. The one whom you wait for. Your life will bear witness to Him. That He is all and He is everything. For that is why He came. That we might be His people. We belong to Him. And we will not be perfect in an instant, but we will begin to long for and seek after and grow in these things this godly and self-control and upright life. God's intent in saving is to change the whole person. So what should we take from this? 
Do you fear God? The Lord sees the hearts, the heart, the thoughts, and the motivations of your inner person. Before Him, none of us have an excuse. None of us have it all together deep within us. And if there is no change in us, there is no comfort awaiting you. The Lord does not reign in your life. You will not reign with Him in His kingdom. And yet I don't say that to condemn. I don't say these things to bring you to a place of despair and how could I ever know or have any hope but to turn to the only one who can save you. I pray that you would if you recognize as you examine your life I am not this righteous and devout person who waits for Christ and loves Him. That there's hope for you, a sinner. If we would but repent and believe in Christ, turning from our sins, abandoning all other hopes that we might have, do not trust in ourselves. Do not look to the world to satisfy us. But to trust in Christ alone because it is for this reason that He came. To pardon and restore all that would trust in His atoning sacrifice. And to, to make us, by His Spirit, one who lives a godly life and waits for the coming of our Lord. He is able to do that if you would trust Him. And the great promise of God for those who place their faith in Christ alone is this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that those who have been justified by the Lord Jesus Christ have peace with God. And there is comfort and an eternal hope. Such a comfort is given freely to all that would wait and hope in Christ, laying aside all our other hopes, To submit to Christ. Because there is life. There is joy. There is comfort. For your soul.
I want to speak a word also to you as brothers and sisters in Christ. Are you, are you weary this season, this day? Run again to Christ. Consider what you are longing for. What you're seeking after. Turn to Him. He might cleanse your conscience from dead works. That you would be like Simeon walking in purity of heart and waiting for Him who is able to refresh your souls even today by His Spirit. And I want to offer as a means of stirring up love for Christ so that you be renewed as you wait and hope in Him alone. I want to offer you and urge you to meditate daily on the promises of God and how they are fulfilled in Christ. Hunt for them like you would precious metals. And somebody told you, right down at that bend of the river, there's gold. Show you a big nugget. How many of you would go uh, take a, at least take a look, you know. We have something better than gold, more precious than silver in the Word of God, which is sure. So take the, the opportunity to meditate even, even this week, maybe even this afternoon on a, on a couple of passages that speak of Christ's coming. For how can we wait for and how can we rejoice in Christ if we don't think of Him daily? When we think on Him, the Lord, by His Word, renews our minds and our affections. He works in, in that way to renew in us hope and comfort. For as we're taught, all the promises of God find their yes in Him. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20. So look to Him this Christmas season and each day after. Be willing to wait patiently for His return. Even to offer your whole self to Christ. Because He alone is the comfort of the children of God.